Oh, it's good to see you all. We are in for a great Sunday in church. So good to have you here today. And we're in for just an incredible, incredible time around God's Word. I want to declare again, favor in a famine. I want to declare, all I've heard this, this week is the recession and all that, but I'm going to keep preaching favor in a seat. We're not denying, we're not in a famine. We're just declaring God's favor over the church. We're declaring we're going to keep our joy. We're going to stay happy. We're going to stay up. We're going to keep seeing miracles. Come on, if you believe it, say, there is favor in a famine. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, let's read this. This is our series, our series verses. Luke chapter 4. He said he stood up to read. All good. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Let's read this together. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. A whole year's worth of favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. There we go. Great to have our online community joining us today, listening on podcasts, watching back later. Fantastic. This is our blueprint for 2023. His spirit produces his favor. His favor produces rest, and his rest produces more of his spirit. And uh, two weeks ago, we unpacked this on Vision Sunday. Last week, Pastor Dave Niblock was fantastic. Did you enjoy that word last week? <laughs> Worship and fellowship, our spirit connecting with God's spirit in the house. And we are forecasting favor for the year. You're in a good place today because we're here to forecast God's favor over you. And I want to say this, is that Jesus is not behind the famine, Jesus is behind the supply. Okay, Jesus is not, you would not put famine on your children. Okay, Jesus is behind the supply. And right now, we are believing for favorable results in 2023, favorable outcomes, favorable solutions, favorable uh, reports. We're believing for miracles. Recently, a customer walked into our social supermarket being diagnosed with cancer. One of our incredible team had the courage in that moment to pray with her. And this week, she came back to say that her tests were all clear. Her lymph nodes uh, were back to normal. And so we are declaring God's favor. Psalm 102, 13 says, you will arise. Arise was our word for 2022. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. I think Zion is definitely symbolic for our church. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time is come, has come. I believe it's a set time by heaven to favor this church. In a year, as we build up to opening our brand new church on March the 10th, 2024. If you didn't know the date, now you have it. Don't go to Butlins. Okay, 2024. March the 10th, we're going to be opening our brand new church. I announced that at Vision Part 2. Chantel goes, you could have told me first. I said I didn't have a chance to catch up with you. <laughs> Passing like ships in the night. So March the 10th, 2024, we are, uh, we are declaring God's favor this year because there is a set time in heaven to favor our church. 
God is saying, I'm about to pour out favor on you like never before. I believe that doors are going to open for you. New opportunities will come across your table. There will be great victories for you. Deals, contracts, breakthroughs, miracles, sales, promotions, increase. Blessing is coming to you. Prayers are going to be answered. I'm saying these things because I want you to catch what I'm saying because I want you to catch faith today. All right, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you that you're with us. We thank you, Lord, that your favor rests upon us. Your favor lasts a lifetime. So I pray today that we would receive a fresh dose of your favor. We receive it by faith in Jesus. Amen. I want to share around the story of Joseph for the next two and a half hours. And it's recounted in the Old Testament across seven chapters. Now, we don't have... Um, we don't have the time to read seven chapters, but I encourage you to go home. You can read Genesis chapter 37 all the way through to chapter 45. It's the complete story of Joseph. So I'm going to summarize his life in just a, just a couple of moments. But one of uh, Joseph was one of 12 sons. His dad was Jacob. His great-grandfather was Father Abraham. And there we go. Always gets a reaction. And his, his father favored his father favored him more than his 11 siblings. By the way, we don't know whether he had any sisters. The Bible doesn't record, so he could have had sisters as well. Um, uh, his brothers were jealous of him, and they sold him, they sold him into slavery. Can you imagine sticking your little brother on eBay? I mean, this is what happened. I mean, they, they, they said, we're going to sell him. I mean, it's just a mo- something like, you give me an idea, you know? In this season of famine, I might just sell off. Then Joseph is taken to Egypt, and eventually he becomes a steward of Potiphar. Potiphar was one of Pharaoh's top officials, and Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Okay, don't you worry. We will delve and dig down into that moment in the story in about 15 minutes. You are going to love the third point today. Give me a good one. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce, seduce him. He is falsely accused and he is thrown into jail. But Joseph has this favor on him where he is able to interpret dreams. And he is made the governor of Egypt for his interpretation gifting. And Joseph wisely rations the country's produce to help them and prepare them for a time of famine. And during the time of famine, Jacob's sons, Joseph's brothers, they come to Egypt and eventually the family is reconciled and they they stay there. But the story of Joseph in the seven or eight chapters is a story of favor from start to finish. He is one of 12 brothers who finds favor. He is in, he's thrown into a pit, yet he finds favor. He finds favor in a prison. He's sold into slavery. He finds favor. He's pursued by favor. In fact, wherever Joseph goes in these seven chapters, favor stays with him. The favor of God is stayed with Joseph from a young boy to his dying days. And in 2023, I want God's favor to stay with me. I don't just want to have a moment of favor. I want favor to be with me, whether I'm in a a situation where I'm in a pit in life's lowest points or in a palace at life's highest points. I want to experience the favor of God. You can experience favor in a pit and you can experience favor in a palace. The favor of God is not limited by your location, your age, your position. 
And when you become a follower of Jesus, favor is your divine right. But it's up to you and I to access it. Romans 5, chapter 5, verse 1 says, We have access by faith into his grace. What's his grace? His unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor in which we stand. We have access to faith, to favor, sorry, through faith. Through faith. Favor is accessed through faith, not in ourselves, not in a foreign God. Favor is accessed through faith in Jesus in 2023. It is not accessed through works. It is accessed through faith. Favor is unmerited, undeserved, unearned. None of us deserve God's favor. But it is accessed simply by believing in Christ. Now, everything in life needs a special password. Who's got so many passwords? I mean, I've got an app just to store passwords. I mean, how annoying is it? I mean, literally everything requires, if you ever forgot a password, you just need to rush and get something, access denied. And you have to go through that whole process, where it's your special domain, your bank, your social media. The password for favor is F-I-F-A-I-T-H. I was never any good at English. That's why I keep getting it wrong. F-A-I-T-H. The, the password to favor is faith. It is not works, it is faith. In the story of Joseph, we see this password. We see his faith activated from the start of his life to the finish of his life, where he trusted God that he would bring him through. And I, as I studied this story this week, there are four hidden truths that jumped out about Joseph's life when it comes to the subject of favor. And I want to share around the title of Favor's Hidden Truths. Favor's Hidden Truths. So I think there's some things about favor that we can slip into some bad theology on. So I'm going to share these four thoughts quickly. Number one is this. Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. The story of Joseph is a story of favor following faithfulness. In every season of his life, Joseph remains faithful. He's a shepherd boy to his father, to Jacob, and he stays faithful. He's a slave in Egypt, and he stays faithful. He's a prisoner, and he stays faithful. He's a governor in Egypt. He stays faithful to a group of brothers who tried to kill him. Imagine if someone tried to kill you. The first thing you would do is drop relationship, I imagine. Yet Joseph, at the end of, his, at the, end of the story, remains faithful to his family. Often we think of favor as something that God owes me, Actually, favor through faith is actually a responsibility. Often we want the benefits of favor, but there is a responsibility, as Joseph found, to stay faithful in his life. Favor is a free gift, but is accessed through faithfulness. Don't pray for favor if you don't want to remain faithful. God's favor, you know... We can't say, God, you know, God favor my business in 2023, but I don't really want to pay my taxes. God favor my marriage, but I'm texting the girl in the office. God favor my children, but I don't want to invest in them. God favor our church, but I don't really want to attend or I don't want to serve. I certainly don't want to give, but God, I want your favor. But actually, I think Joseph shows us that favor attaches itself to faithfulness. 
King Solomon said it like this. He said, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. You know, our church is no doubt of the experience in the favor of God right now with, with God and man. But let me tell you, it comes with a great responsibility. We all carry, Chantel and I, we actually feel the burden of favor. We actually feel the burden of it. We, we don't want to get this wrong. We feel God's favor. Let me tell you, every Sunday, look at this. Not a chair, not a chair empty in the room. We feel God's favor. There is a responsibility that comes with God's favor. And God's going to give you undoubtedly new favor in your life, in your business, in your marriage, with your children. But there comes a responsibility to steward the favor of God in our life. Favor requires faithfulness. You know what faithfulness is? It's just showing up. First day at Bible school, the dean of the college walked in and he said this. He said, the best ability is stickability. He said, just keep showing up on your good days, on your bad days. When you don't want to go to work, keep showing up. Stickability will promote you quicker than a qualification. Stickability, the world does not have stickability right now. I encourage you to keep showing up. Favor requires faithfulness. Faithfulness, so many times, it just looks like showing up. Honestly, sometimes on a Sunday. And I prayed yesterday, I felt God showed me this. God put some new oil on an old assignment. Because the assignment of showing up for church every Sunday has been the same over the last nine years of Soul Church. And so you know what I need? As I'm faithful, God, I need some fresh oil on an old assignment. Some of you, you've been doing the old assignment with old oil. And God is saying, I need some fresh favor on an old assignment. Sometimes the assignment doesn't change. Sometimes, you know what, the chairs still need putting out. The offering envelopes need to be put on the seat. Someone needs to put the sound up at the right level. Someone needs to welcome us in with a carper. It's an old assignment, but you can have fresh oil. You can have fresh favor on an old assignment. And so I encourage you, don't get caught up. Oh, it's just another day. David said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. God, tomorrow, I want some fresh oil on an old assignment. I've been in this job for 20 years. But God, I want your oil to flow through the cogs of my day. I want to be able to speak to people with a fresh anointing. So much of life is just repetition. Just another day, another week, another month. But God, I want some fresh oil on an old assignment. Is there anyone who says, God, I need some fresh oil on an old assignment? I've been married 20 years. I need some fresh oil on this. I won't say it, on this. Come on, fresh oil on my marriage. Fresh oil in my business. Fresh oil in my relationship. I encourage you, stay faithful in your job. Stay faithful in your devotion. Now, for some of you, you've been reading this book for 70, 80 years. Fresh oil on this manuscript. When I pick up my Bible, I'm like, God, the next two weeks I'm preaching favor. God, I want some fresh oil on favor. I don't just want to read something from someone else. I want you to show me some fresh oil on an old assignment. These words are the same words, but there's something fresh that can come off the pages. Every week when you pray, God, give me fresh oil on an old assignment. Give me fresh oil. Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. All right, do you want another hidden truth? Favor is an invitation to fully depend on God. Joseph's thrown into prison with a butler and a baker. Can I just say, I'd love to go to prison with a baker. 
I mean, God's favor was on him, even in prison. I mean, imagine waking up in prison to fresh croissant. I mean, God was really his favor. I mean, you could have been put into prison with an engineer. I mean, that's no good, is it? You want a baker in prison. You want someone to bake you a nice Victoria sponge cake and afternoon tea. They were confined in prison. They had a dream together. And Joseph came in the morning. He looked at these two fellows, the baker and the butler, and he said to them, Why are you so sad? Pharaoh's officers were with him in custody of the Lord, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me. Joseph in prison and then in the king's palace, he is put in a position, he's put in a position where he has to uh, interpret a dream. I don't know if you've ever had to interpret a dream, and that's a tricky position. Some of you have some crazy dreams. And if he'd have got this wrong with Pharaoh, with Potiphar, he could have been put to death. But Joseph knew that God's favor was upon him, so he was able to step out in faith. Now, come with me here. When you know God's favor is truly upon you, I'm not talking about your ears get tickled in church. When you know that God's favor is upon you, you will have the courage to step out in faith and attempt something for God that you would not have attempted had you not acknowledged that his spirit was upon you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me. Favor is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. Risk. And Joseph in prison, he knew there was a lot of risk, including his own life. If he got these interpretations wrong, but he was living under the favor of God. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, a group of people towards the end of their lives, they were interviewed and they were asked this question. It was in Australia. Hundreds were interviewed and they were asked this question. If you were to relive your life again, what would you do differently? On their deathbeds. Who knows that's a fascinating question. And lots of answers came in, but there was one clear winner. And it was this, take more risks. Take more risks. Now, I, I'd have expected maybe fill up my pension pot a little higher, travel a little bit more, I don't know, play Xbox. I don't know what, what people would do if they could relive their lives. But at the end of their lives, they all said, majority of people said the same thing, that they would have taken more risks. You know, inadvertently, I actually think we've become a risk-adverse generation. Why? Probably all good reasons. We're scared of failure. We're, we're scared of what, maybe losing it all, scared of what others may think, scared of the unknown. And so what we do is we tend just to take a step back into what we'd call the comfort zone. Step back. And there's a lot of people, and I've been here as well, we get what I call stuck. Stuck. We get stuck in the mundane, we get stuck in the everyday, we, we get stuck in this cycle of life. And we think next year it will change, next month it will change, but nothing ever changed. And then we see, our, we see our friends getting ahead or we see others in life watching others get ahead. And we feel the best way to get out of the rut, the best way to get out of stuck is to keep playing it safe. And we go round and round and we hope for the best. And so many people in life are stuck. You know, I'm all for theology. I've seen people with all the theology in the world, and they are stuck. I'm all for charisma. I've seen the most charismatic people in the world, and they are stuck. 
The most talented, gifted people in the world, they are stuck because one word separates them, risk. Risk. And Joseph understood that when the favor of God was resting on him, it gave him the courage to step out and take a risk. Everything great in life is on the other side of risk. You asked Chantal when she wanted to date me. No, it was very much my... You know, we, we, were met, we were made for far more than just avoiding failure. If you get to your oh, I avoided failure. No, no, no. You were born. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He has anointed you to write the book, start the business, move the, into the new house. God's Spirit is anointed, not just to avoid failure. He wants you to take a risk in 2023. Why? Because his favor is resting on you. Favor is simply an invitation from God to take a risk this year. You know, I'm noticing the older I become, I probably become a little bit more risk adverse. I'm not sure I'd move to Africa now. Like I did when I was 30 odd. Not sure we would have started Soul Church like we did at 35. It feels like... Honestly, it feels like the younger I was, I'd pray bolder prayers. I'd pray prayers like, God, I'll go anywhere to serve you. God, break my heart for what breaks yours. And I'm like, God, I need a new car. God, I need this. And God, I need that. And God, and God is like, God is saying, if your prayers don't scare you, they won't scare the devil. When was the last time you and I prayed a prayer that scared us? God, bring someone into my path this day that I can lead to Jesus. God, bring someone to me today that I can bless financially. God, take me to a country this year I've never been to because I want to achieve something for you in a different land. When was the last time we prayed a scary prayer? Is it because we are scared of what could go wrong? But I come here today to remind you that his favor is upon you. And here's the good news. Even when we get it wrong... He sorts it out. Even when we get it wrong, he sorts it out. If you're not failing from time to time, you're playing it too safe. A couple years into church, we were, we were trying, to get, trying to get people in seats. We were trying everything. So it was just it was a couple of hundred, 250 people coming. And we thought, you know, we'd do some, do some nights. We, we did these things called six hot nights. Do you remember who was here for six hot nights? They were good nights, weren't they? And uh, one of them, we had a Holocaust awareness evening. And uh, we thought we'd bring in this beautiful lady. Her name was Janine. I think she was 80-ish. I mean, maybe older than eight. She was the most beautiful lady. And I managed to get hard. I thought we, it was uh, a Holocaust memorial weekend. I thought, well, let's, let's bring in this lady and talk to her and ask her questions and hear her story. And so this, this beautiful lady arrives. We pick her up from London and she comes in, we're sitting in the little guest lounge before and we're talking to her and talking about the evening, the questions. And she says, just, just before we walk out the door, she goes, I need to tell you a little secret, John. <laughs> Go on then. She says, I'm not a Christian. <laughs> and then she says, but don't worry, I'll play along. Oh, play along. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm playing along? What, what are we doing here? <laughs> so I remember gathering Chantelle. I said, she's not even a Christian, but she's going to play along for the night. And Chantelle's just going, 
I'm looking at my clock. We just got to get her up here and see what happens. Anyway, this night, this night was the most packed we'd ever had to that point. We had, I think, around 800 people squeezed, standing room only, kids everywhere. No, she's not even a Christian. This place is packed full of sinners. And I've got an unchurched, non-Christian speaking to her. God, what are you doing? And he's like, just trust me. Is, your, is my favor on you or not? Watch me work this all together for good. So I'm sitting there and she shares this unbelievable story. Unbelievable story. Some of you remember that night. It was just powerful. And um, then at the end, I stood up and think, oh, how do I follow this? And for five minutes, I just shared on the grace and the love and the forgiveness of Christ. That night, we had 50 people make their peace with Jesus. One of them, just stand up, Kev. One of them was this guy. And that night, Kev, and I text Kev, I said, Kev, do you mind me sharing this story? And this is what he texted me back. He said, that night changed the trajectory and course of my life forever. Brought me into the loving arms of Christ with my salvation. And then I was baptized in the colors of green and yellow at Soul Church. <laughs> you can sit down, mate. What is favor? Sometimes we don't do our homework. Sometimes we haven't asked all the right questions. Sometimes we're not prepared. Some, and God says, you know what? Even though you've got it wrong, I still want to prove my glory over your life. And even if you've made mistakes, even if you've fallen short, you know, Kev now has an opportunity to help countless numbers of people with their mental health. He's a mental health, health practitioner, does an incredible job in our church helping people. Imagine that night if we'd have found out but you know what? God's grace is far greater than our greatest failures. God's grace is far greater than our mistakes, our shortcomings. Yeah. I want to encourage you tonight. You do not fall out of God's favor. You fall into it. Yeah. Even when you get this thing wrong, his favor is for a lifetime. God's favor is on you. Run towards it. I want to just say this, though, as well, because it's important. that This doesn't give everyone a, a license now to go out and be reckless. Because there's a difference between taking a risk and being reckless. So I, I want to just share three questions that Chantal and I, we, we ask ourselves when we're about to take a risk. And that could be to buy a house, that could be an investment, that could be just something that has an edge of risk. I'm not talking about, is it yellow sock day, red sock day? I don't think God cares. You just put your socks on. That's all people at work want, want you to do. Okay, but these are three questions. If you feel that even in this message, maybe God's prompting you to do something. Three questions to ask. Number one is this, can I still trust God? Can I still trust God? So that night, I'm saying, God, can I still trust you? I've got a packed room full of people, and we've got a, a lady who's claiming to be an atheist. Can I still trust you? I'm like, yes, God, I can still trust you. Second question is this, am I at peace? This is a deal clincher. Am I at peace? Peace is the compass for your life. You run towards your peace. If you are about to do something, by the way, and everything says this makes sense, but you don't have peace, don't do it. If, if, if he looks good, talks good, treats you well, but you don't have peace, leave it. Leave it. Just leave it. If you do not have peace, if there is something in... What is peace? It's something that will not come out of your thoughts. It just robs you. You just know, don't go towards anything you don't have peace about. Even with our new building, everything screams, this doesn't make sense yet. Our board, our eldership, we've got this peace. We've got this peace. And the third one, this is a big one as well, is Chantel in this with me? Obviously not for you. 
Don't be ringing Chantel every 10 minutes if you've got a big decision to make. John said to call you. John said, it's God's favor on me. You're going to tell me. Do I have a peace? And Chantel and I will talk and say, look, we've got this idea. And I'll say, Chantel, what do you think? You know, the decision I got wrong, I haven't got time to go, but a decision I got wrong in the early days of this church, Chantel said to me, don't do that. She said, don't do that. I was like, no, I'm going to do that. I'm going to prove her wrong. The problem is, sometimes the people we're married to know us better than anyone else outside of our Savior. Listen to your spouse. Listen to your spouse. Can I still trust God? Do I have a peace? And is Chantel with me? And favor is an invitation from God to make us fully dependent on him. Is this helping anyone? Have we got time for a couple more? Or should we leave the third one for next week? No. no yeah. All right, get your seatbelts on. <clears throat> favor attaches itself to faithfulness. Favor invites us to fully depend on God. Number three, favor will be tested by temptation. Whenever we experience favor, there is a strong possibility we'll experience temptation. Joseph was tested in Genesis chapter 39. Joseph was well-built and handsome, like Mark Hollinger. And after a while, his master's wife... (laughs) Joseph was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. Hello. But he refused. She spoke to Joseph day after day. He refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. This is where it gets a little bit tricky. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak and in her hand, in her hand and ran out of the house. Joseph is faced with his greatest favor test yet, temptation. Favor more often than not presents us with temptation. Because when you become more favored of God, more successful, when you feel the hand of favor of your life, the enemy wants to snatch it off you. The enemy wants to attack it. And we all have two natures, okay? Paul says in Galatians 5.22, there are two natures we can live with. We can live with our sinful nature or we can live with our spirit nature. It says in verse 19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Then he lists 15 things. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, enviness, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That is our sinful man. That is our sinful nature that craves and desires and has an appetite for those things. But verse 22 says, but, thank God for the but. Who's thankful for the but? But the Holy Spirit. The spirit nature produces this kind of fruit. And it lists love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Joseph, in that moment where Potiphar's wife comes after him, he has to choose. He can feel the favor of God, but he has to choose between his sinful nature and his spirit nature. And Joseph, in that moment of temptation, of weakness, he faced three life-changing decisions as he came face-to-face with temptation. And these weren't three temptations unique to Joseph. These were temptations unique to mankind. 
The same three decisions we have to recognize when we come face to face with temptation. The first one is this. We have to recognize our appetites. Our appetites. We all have appetites, desires to satisfy our needs. It says his master's wife came to no- took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. Without being rude, Potiphar's wife wasn't difficult to the eye. Okay? She would have been a little honey. He would have had the choice of thousands of women. Okay? Okay, this wasn't, you know, this wasn't anyone beating with the ugly stick. This was, this was someone that Joseph would have had appetite for. And he recognizes this appetite and he says in this moment, I've got to deal with my appetite. And there are so many different appetites out there. Fame is an appetite. People are desperately wanting to get famous. There's a program on the BBC this week of people desperately trying to get famous. Their whole life's goal is to be famous. It's an appetite. More followers, more likes, more TikToks, whatever they are, TikToks, more success. <laughs> progress. You know, for me, this would be an appetite. For me, you ready? Progress. And by the way, all the appetites I talk about, none of them are wrong. Okay, they're all actually God-given appetites. Progress, we want more. Come home from church and maybe I'm not satisfied because we want more. Recognition is an appetite. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to be acknowledged. Stuff. Stuff is an appetite for people. Bigger car, bigger house. More, 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 more. It's an appetite. Sex. It's a huge appetite in our world. The sexualization of the media and the marketing is trying to tempt people to fulfill an appetite that actually cannot be fulfilled. Constantly trying to tempt us. You know, this is the thing. God created them, but sin distorted them. Every appetite God created, but sin distorted it. Sin distorted it. It started off in the Garden of Eden. Sin came in and distorted it. And sex is such a great example of this in the story. How God created sex. Maybe they didn't talk about sex in your last church. We talk about it in this church. God created sex. But in the boundaries between a man and a woman in marriage. God said, here's the boundaries. But sin comes along and he distorts it. Appetites. What else do we know about appetites? That appetites are never fully satisfied. By the way, can I just say this, especially in the, in, in the events of, of the last few days, is you cannot redefine what the Bible has defined. You cannot redefine what the Bible, you cannot rewrite truth. But sin is coming, to, it's, it's coming through, it's trying to distort all of these appetites. The other thing about appetites is appetites are never fully satisfied. Have you ever been out for a lovely meal? Go out and you spend maybe a hundred pounds taking the family for a meal, and then two hours later you're in the pantry and you're like scrambling for something. <laughs> and you left that restaurant like, Boo. you went to Cosmos and you just filled your boots. You had a Chinese and an Indian with a roast dinner on top of it. And, uh, Some sushi floating on the gravy. I know how it works. <laughs> we went to Cosmos once and 
My kids love Cosmos, okay? I'm not a fan, but if you love it, good on you. And I'm, I'm in Cosmo, they're a little bit younger, and I go to the dessert area, and Justice has got his fingers in the chocolate fountain. He's just doing this. I'm like, he's not my son, I don't know who that is. And then this little lady, she's putting her chocolate sauce on. Like, oh my word, anyway. Chantel, where were you, anyway? Appetites are never fully satisfied. Same is true of sex and progress and fame. And the enemy's biggest lie, if you're taking notes, is this. Someone or something out there can fulfill my appetite. That's the enemy's biggest lie. There is someone out there who can fulfill my need. There is something out there, whether it's a car, a house, something out there will fulfill my appetite. Here's the reality. It can't. If you go with her, it'll make you happy. If you buy that car, you'll be happy. But the reason Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph is she wasn't satisfied with Potiphar. Potiphar wasn't fulfilling his wife's needs. So his wife was looking at Joseph. What else do we know about appetites? Is that appetites always say now, they never say later. They always say now. Appetites always look at what's in front of us, not ahead of us. I was in the mall just before Christmas and I walked past Krispy Kremes. Does anyone know what I'm about to say? Who loves Krispy Kremes? They are from heaven. When you get to heaven, Angel Gabriel will be on the front door and they will be handing you a warm, fresh, hot Krispy Kreme at the gate. Come on in, my good and faithful servant. Enter in to Krispy Kremes. So I'm in Krispy Kremes, and all I can think of is one word. You ready? Now. I'm not thinking I'll get a box and take it home and quietly sit by the fire and eat one later. I'm not thinking about later. I'm thinking about right now. And I ate two right now. Don't you be buying me donuts next week, all right? I'm off sugar. But appetites always say now, never later. Joseph staring at his master's wife. The whole situation was screaming, now, now, if you're trying to break an addiction in your life, everything screams, now, now, now. And our, our appetites, I think, will whisper these three things for the rest of our lives. But it's not, it's not the appetites, it's the response to our appetites. Because I actually think the appetites actually don't go away in a hurry. And so Joseph, he does this, he pauses, and he realizes that He could trade the rest of his life for an hour or so of pleasure. And he says, but he refused. Joseph presses pause in that moment. And every time we come face to face, whether it's a small appetite or a larger appetite, we have to say this. There's always more at stake than I realize. There's always more at stake. Joseph made this this decision. He says, I will not trade my ultimate for my immediate. I want you to write this down. Do not trade your ultimate for your immediate. Because your immediate is screaming now. Now, now, now. So I went away this week, and as I was studying this story, I thought, what is my ultimate? Because I don't want to trade my immediate for my ultimate. What is my ultimate? So I just wrote some things down. 
in f I, I don't want to talk in terms of so far out that we, we can't ever you know, get there. So I thought, what is my ultimate in my next five years? So for in the next five years, what is my ultimate? The first is this, I will be happily married to Chantel. That's my ultimate. Not married, happily married. Some of you are married. You just lost the happy bit. I will be happily married. In five years' time, I'll be more in love with Chantel. What else? My kids will be healthy, strong, and serving Jesus. I will personally be fitter and stronger in 2028 than 2023. Soul Church will be growing, reaching, and loving this county and this country. We will experience salvations, signs and wonders, and the miraculous on a day-to-day -day basis in our church. That is my ultimate for the next five years. That's my ultimate. So why would I trade my immediate for my ultimate? And every time you come face to face with your immediate, you ask yourself this, do I want to trade my ultimate for my immediate? Do I want to trade it for a moment, an hour, a month of pleasure for my ultimate? What, what do you want your life to look like in five years? I can't answer that question. You can't answer that question for me. What do you want your life? Why didn't Joseph indulge in that moment? Because he says, I'm not going to trade my ultimate. I'm not going to trade the favor of God on my life that has been on me since a young man. I'm not going to trade it for my ultimate. We can't do this in our own strength. That's why the word of God says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. We cannot press pause in the moment of our weakness without the Holy Spirit giving us strength. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in my weakness. When we press pause, and this is such a powerful thing, when we press pause in the moment of our immediate, it is an invitation for the Holy Spirit to help us attain our ultimate. It's literally an invitation of the Holy Spirit in that moment to say, God, I am so weak, like Joseph. And so right now, God, I need you to give me the strength to continue. And I believe that when you run from temptation, you're running towards favor. You're literally running towards the favor of God. Chantal and I, we made a decision when we started dating in 2001 long time ago. 2001, we got together. We made a decision. We weren't going to live together. We weren't going to sleep together. We weren't going to have sex together before marriage. We wouldn't be alone together after midnight. We just made some, we put some boundaries together in, the, in that relationship. And by the way, Chantel is drop-dead gorgeous. Okay? And many nights, she sent me home for a cold shower. But we made a decision that we would not trade our ultimate for the immediate. And I know this is quite heavy stuff on a Sunday morning, but don't trade your ultimate. Do things God's way. Do things God's way, and I promise you it will turn out good in the end. The reason, the reason there is such a high rate of divorce and separation and people growing up with single parents right now or even no parents is simply because people are trading they are trading their ultimate for their immediate. What you think is your ultimate, maybe not. You've got to say, God, I don't want to trade this.
You want to live in a lifetime of regret. And every time you say no to temptation, you say yes to favor. Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. Favor invites us to fully depend on God. Favor will be tested by temptation. And number four, favor spills out onto those around us. Favor spills out. The great thing is, favor isn't just for my benefit. God favors you to favor others. From the time he put Genesis 39, from the time he put him in charge of the household and all of his own, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had. God's favor on Joseph spilled out onto those around him. You know, God wants to favor you in your workplace, so the favor on you spills out to the people. Ben and Patricia, God wants to favor your business in Chroma. God, the favor on you too. God wants to increase the favor because he wants to spill it out onto the surf community, the community around you. God's not just favoring you to bless you. It's because he wants people around you to feel the aftershocks of his favor in your life. God's favor. Mark and Sharon, God's favor is on you both. It's been on you since the start, since I've known you. But his favor is not just on you to bless you and your children, but your, your family and the people around you and your neighborhood and your community. God is blessing individuals and businesses in our church because it wants to spill out onto those around us. The founder of this church 59 years ago was a man by the name of Dr. Sedley Pimlot. In fact, two of his sons are here, Trevor. In fact, Trevor, and is Bud here? I think I saw him earlier. Bud, he was a wave, I think, right at the back. His sons are here, and his daughters are here, and grandchildren are here. Rachel, who emceed the services, his granddaughter. I think we've got a picture. There he is. Some of you, it's just a, just a face. Wouldn't mean anything to you. But there's no doubt about it, the favor of God was a unique leader. But the favor of God was on Dr. Sedley Pimlock. And we are now in the spillage of that favor. We are in the overflow of the favor of God. And this is why we've got to guard his favor. Because there will be generations to come who will be affected by the decisions you make today. Generations. This isn't just a decision, oh, I'm just going to park my immediate. No, no, no. We're not just parking it. We're saying goodbye to it. Because there, there is the battle of the loins. There is a battle for your loins where people in generations to come will be in church, will follow Jesus as a result of you saying no to your immediate because you saying, God, I want your ultimate. I want to encourage us to get in the overflow of people experiencing the blessing of God. Keep coming to church. I don't know what's happening here but right now, but we are in the river, and God is blessing our church with the overflow of his goodness and his blessing and his favor. Stay in the river. Stay flowing with it. Stay moving with it. If you see God's blessing on someone, stay close to them. If you see someone married for 50-plus years, find out their trade secrets. When I see churches, Chantal and I were in Johannesburg in, in January and we had this opportunity to, to minister at Raymer Church, Pastor Ray McCauley's church, his son's church, who's now taken over. And it was like, whoa, this is phenomenal. I'm like, I am in the overflow. I am in the overflow. We've come back and it feels like God has given us something fresh because we're catching it. In Kentucky right now, there's a revival breaking out in Asbury University, 
for the last 11 nights, 11 days, 24 hours. People have been pouring in. Some of you have been seeing it. Been seeing it on the YouTube, been seeing it on the news that people are queuing up through the night just to get a touch of God because something unique is happening. Something's changing. The favor of God is being poured out in a new and fresh way and people want to catch it. I want to encourage you, catch the fire of God in your life of flesh. I want to learn, I want to glean, I want to catch, I want to steal what God is doing. God is with us in this season of favor. Why don't we stand? Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. Favor invites us to fully depend on Him. Favor will be tested with temptation. God, my prayer is just like Joseph, that the favor of God will spill out. There will be spillages of God's favor in our church. So the question is personal today. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me personally? Maybe God, maybe God is saying, Holy Spirit, give me, give me the strength just to remain faithful. Faithful in my job, faithful to my employer, faithful in my studies, faithful in my church, faithful in my giving. God is saying today that you, you were challenged by that as Joseph remained faithful. Favor attaches itself to faithfulness. Maybe it was the second one where you're saying, I feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I've got to take a risk. I've been kind of ready to jump in and start that business. I've been ready to write the book. I've been ready to do something and you just wanted to play it safe. But today you felt like the nudge of the Holy Spirit where God's favor is, so, is resting on you. It gives you the courage to take a step. Maybe today your, your prayer is, Holy Spirit, I need your help to control my appetites. Just like Joseph, he needed the help of the Holy Spirit. In our weakness, he is strong. Maybe you're saying, God, I, I could feel the favor of God on me, but I don't want to keep it to myself. I want it to spill out to those around me. I need to start giving again. I need to start being generous with my time and my finances. I, I, want, I want generations to catch what I have. Spend time praying with people, mentoring people, coaching people. But today, the Holy Spirit is saying, come on. I've given you great knowledge of my word. I want you to, to use that knowledge to spill out onto others. I've blessed you with finances more than you could ever spend in a lifetime. So God, I, wa I want you to help me to bless and encourage and strengthen others with that. If God has spoken to you today, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray for you. God has spoken clearly to you today. His favor is on you. We can only access it by faith today. Maybe that first step of faith is just to slip up your hand and say, God, here I am. Here I am. So, Father, right now, this is private. This is between us and you. But for those who are struggling to remain faithful, maybe that is in a marriage. Maybe that's faithful in their work. Maybe that's faithful in their commitments. Father, you would give us the, the strength in the everyday, in the mundane of a Monday, Tuesday, Father, to keep going, knowing that you're with us, that your favor rests upon us. God is nudging people right now in the area of risk-taking. I really feel, just to drill down here for a second, but you're saying God is, God is encouraging you to take a risk. Where are, you, where are the risk-takers in the room? You're saying, God, that's me. You've been encouraging me. Come on, where's the risk-takers? That's it. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Spirit of a risk-taker, come on you right now in Jesus' name. I command fear and worry to leave you right now. Dream bigger. Dream more. Dream bigger. Trust God. 
He will carry you. He will carry you in this season. You're saying, John, I need help. The help of the Holy Spirit with my appetites. Just like Joseph. Saying, I'm not going to trade my immediate for my ultimate. God, help right now. Come on, let's pray right now. The help of the Holy Spirit this week. That we would walk as men and women. Holy and acceptable in your sight, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for your strength in this area. For your strength, Father God. In Jesus' name. Father, I want you saying, I want you. I want your blessing to spill out onto those around me. You're saying today, I want your blessing to spill out onto those around me, in my office, my workplace, in the changing room. You just want, you want, your, you want the blessing of God just to spill out of you. Thank you, Jesus. Speak favor right now. Favor right now over every business, over every endeavor, over every entrepreneur, over every idea right now, over every philanthropist. Father, right now, speak your favor. Speak your favor. Jesus' name. Chantal and I both felt strongly today to pray for pray for those who've relocated to the church, to the city, the county over the last 12 months. The story of Joseph in his seven chapters was a story of relocation. Yet in his relocation, the favor of God stayed with him. And I would love to pray, if you've recently moved to Norwich whether it's to be part of the church for a job, but you've moved here and in the last 12 months from a different city, a different, I'm not talking about you've moved from Dis, all right? Nothing wrong with Dis, but that's not really a move. That's just a drive, okay? But you've relocated your life, okay? You've relocated your life. Last week, I met a family from Liverpool, India, and South Africa who'd moved here and now part of our church. And I want to pray the favor of God over you. This is huge. When Chantal and I, I remember moving down to Cape Town we were, when I was 30, and it, it was a huge move for us. And it's daunting. You don't know anyone. You don't know the culture. You don't know how the city works, transport routes, all those things. And it can be very scary. But I want you just to, first of all, know that we're so, we're so proud of the courage that you've shown. And just like Joseph, I believe God's favor is going to rest on you afresh. So if you've just relocated, would you just step out of your seat and come and join me? Our team, we're, we're prepared. We want to pray for you. So if you've just come on, let's give these guys a, a, a cheer as well. We... If you're in the family room, you're welcome to join us as well and bring your babies, bring your children. We'd love to pray. We'll just... We'll just hold for a second. I know there's more of you coming. Isn't this beautiful? This is incredible, guys. Should we find out where people are from? Where are you from? South Africa. Well, Lekka. Where are you guys from? London, Ghana, Ghana, fantastic, beautiful, London, Ghana, fantastic, where are you from, Kenya, where are you girls from, London, 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 Delhi, India, I met you guys last week, amazing, Nigeria, 
Nottingham. We love Nottingham. Liverpool. We've got a scouser in the house. These guys are praying, but isn't this beautiful? What a picture of heaven. Every tribe, every tongue. And we invite Steve to come up and we're going to pray. And I would love as many of you just to stretch out your hands, sister. And I know the TC lads, we're going to be praying for you as well. I know you've all relocated. We're not, we're not missing you out either, but we're going to pray for God's favor to rest, his peace. We're going to pray for jobs, security. We're going to pray for an open heaven in Jesus' name. Thank Come you, on, Lord. let's all pray. Father, every one of these people stood here is precious to you. Every family, Lord. Every child, Lord. Every marriage. And so right now, we lift them before you. We pray for open doors, Lord. We pray for opportunities, Lord. We pray for blessing, Lord, and employment. Lord, for their children, we pray for the right schools. Lord, we want them to settle here. We want them to feel loved. We thank you that you've gone before them. So Lord, would you wrap your arms of love around them? Would you cause us as your church to embrace them, to love them, Lord, to help them be connected? So right now we speak the favor of God, divine, supernatural favor and blessing and provision over every single one of them. Right now, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done in Jesus' name. Isn't that incredible, church? I said, isn't that incredible seeing all those amazing individuals and families? As a church, I pray that we would spill out God's blessing in our lives onto the families that are arriving. I pray like Joseph, that we would open our homes up. We'd invite people in. You know, the reason I pulled them forward, hope I didn't embarrass them, is I wanted you to see who they were because I want you to be a blessing to them. Some of you have them around for lunch, invite them around for coffee. But let's be a church that's just open-hearted, big-minded, generous in what we do. Let's be welcoming. This is such a beautiful picture of the kingdom of heaven. When he sees this and sees all different age groups, backgrounds, cultures, colors, what a beautiful picture of what heaven is going to be like. And we're experiencing a glimpse of it right here on earth. And Chantelle and I, we want you to know if you've relocated that we're so encouraged, we're so proud, we're so, you know, you've taken that risk like Joseph. God's going to reward you and his favor is, is on you. In Jesus. Now I'm going to invite Rachel. She's going to jump up and we're going to pray for one more group of people. Come on, let's give Rachel a hand. What an incredible moment to see people coming forward because they want a sense of belonging and home. And that's something that is innate and created in each one of us to belong and to find a place of home. Just in these closing moments, I would love to extend an invitation, whether it's for the first time to say yes to Jesus, to invite Him into your heart and life, to ask Him to be your Saviour and your Lord. Or maybe you've come for a while and or you maybe once followed Jesus, but you've become distant and you've walked away. 
situations and circumstances have not been kind to you and you've almost blamed God, but He's saying, I'm here and He's reaching out with arms of love to you right now. And some of you have cried unto God even this past week and He's heard, He's heard your cry. Some, you heard uh, Pastor John just now talk about the ultimate. What is your five-year plan? Can I encourage you that the decision you make today is not only going to impact your tomorrow, but this decision will impact your eternity. Because we all have plans. We all have dreams. We all want to fill that gap of longing and belonging. But the only way you can fill that longing of your soul is to know the one that created you and loves you with an everlasting love. And you might feel like, Rach, I'm not sure I understand it all, but this is a step of faith. This is the risk that John was talking about. It's stepping out and saying, yeah, I don't understand it all, but I know I need God for now, for meaning, for purpose, for forgiveness, for my past, for sins to be forgiven. And what's more than that, a credible hope beyond the grave, a future for eternity. Can I ask that every head be bowed, every, clo every eye closed, everyone that already knows Jesus to be praying fervently. Because right now I'm gonna ask, if you wanna join together in this prayer, it's a simple prayer, but a powerful prayer, significant prayer that will literally change the trajectory of your life by simple saying, yes, Jesus, come in. You've come with someone else. Maybe you're going to raise your hand together. After three, I'm going to ask that you raise your hand all across this room. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you've come by yourself. And you know in your heart, deep down, that you need to say yes to Jesus. Because the enemy will try and steal from your life. But Jesus said, I've come that you can have life, ultimate life, ultimate life. If that's you and you want to join right now as we pray this prayer, just slip your hand up after three. One, two, three three for the first time or you're coming back. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many of you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't see with the lights, but God is seeing hearts. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. Those of you that raised your hand, let's pray this prayer together with our whole church family and pray it from the bottom of your heart because literally lives are being transformed as we pray. So maybe if you want to put your hand on your heart, didn't raise your hand, but maybe you did, but you want to pray this and mean it with all of your heart. Say these words after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me to forgive me of all my sin and failures so that I can have a brand new start. Please come into my life. Help me by the power of the Holy Spirit to trust and live for you all the days of my life. Amen. Amen. Can we applaud those that have said yes to Jesus? All of heaven is applauding right now because it's the best decision you will ever make. And I would love to come and give you all a big hug. But can you maybe just take a moment to connect with one of our team on the way out? They'll be waving these Bibles. Pastor John had one in his hand earlier. Even if you already have one, we'd love to make this connection with you and maybe exchange details so that you can have a Bible to mark the occasion. And we want to walk with you and journey with you as little or as much as you'd like, but encourage you to walk this Christian journey together. And uh, we have Follow Jesus, which is tonight during our five o'clock service. If you would like to know more about the foundations 
of our faith. It would be a brilliant one to come back to and enjoy that tonight in our 5 p.m. service. But um, again, can we actually applaud all of those that made a decision, but also thank Pastor John for an incredible message. I'm so encouraged. I'm so thankful for our pastor. Make sure we apply that this week.